0: Grandma Holocaust survivor fronting a German heavy metal band. How old? I'm sorry, 93. Wow. I just aged her three years, which at her age is probably not appreciated. Uh, The song's all about how, uh, you know, having survived the Holocaust, she's not waiting for death. She's living every moment of her life. It's really a beautiful message Mm. to to music that makes you want to go psychotic, unless you're a metal fan. Uh, Nice, nice stuff. Maybe we'll post that video, huh? So
1: folks can find it. It's really nice. It's a beautiful story. The most popular video of the day, looking up at the morning television, is uh, watching people die in a, a boat accident. As apparently, as a nation, we enjoy snuff films now.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's watch it over and over again. Families I, on vacation dying. This is great.
1: I can't imagine. So, good morning, America, and the Today Show, all, all uh, going with the footage of the boat sinking. Um, happened in Missouri it's a tragedy 13 died but for some reason I guess we need to see the actual so so you can contemplate what it must be like for them to die or it's because you can't look away God dang it that's a twisted society that does that
0: yeah we're yeah
1: we're, we're heading down the tubes clearly remember you about how quickly used to talk about people driving by car wrecks and looking at them and stuff like but well, now mm-hmm. now that, that's that's what we do that's the, our lead story in the news What's the worst thing that happened to somebody in the world Let's watch a video of it right? That's weird. Yeah,
0: that used to be the province of like a subset of teenage boys that would want to do that sort of thing: rent faces of death from the local video store or what have you, or pass around a well-worn copy. But now it's uh, mainstream. It's very strange. It's, uh, in fact, it's the mainstreamiest
1: mainstream. My interest in seeing that is zero, yeah. zero. Yeah, it's the lead video in America. Professor Alan Dershowitz coming up in just a few minutes. He wants to
0: talk about his new book, The Case Against Impeaching Trump. Plus, uh, he made some additional news today. He came out with a strong statement we'll tell you all about. This is uh, a great, a great article from the uh, from the L.A. Times, rather. I've been sitting on this for a while just because I thought it was so good. But Doug Smith wrote it. And, and he goes around all the neighborhoods of L.A., the homeless encampments, and, and talks about them. And the story opens with... A tent catching fire, and of course there's video of that because there's video of everything. The flames blowing through an iron fence into an employee parking lot quickly envelops two cars. L.A. firefighters found no leads to investigate even though it was alleged somebody set the fire. Uh, New tents quickly appeared along the fence where this uh, woman by the name of Amy, her car was destroyed that March day. I called LAPD. They came out. I said, get them moved. They said, "Eh, we can't. We really can't do anything. And uh, then they move to uh, when it's too hot to shut her bedroom window. Cindy Ramirez says she'll yell out to the people on the street to turn down the music booming on electricity pirated from disconnected streetlights. But she can't shut out the camp smells. Over the last year, the business people and residents in these two sections of South L.A. have pursued an increasingly testy but so far futile campaign of emails, phone calls, and meetings
1: beseeching the city for relief. That is prioritizing the needs of the homeless over the needs of the taxpaying provides, uh, you know, um, quality of life for your city people.
0: Sure, the makers, the doers, the
1: producers in
0: society. Uh, Is any of this starting to sound familiar? San Franciscans, Sacramentans, San Diegans? Calling and saying, listen, this is a risk to people's health, their safety, it's, it's awful, it's ruining our quality of life. Can you do something about this? No, no, we can't. Police, sanitation workers, council deputies, even a neighborhood prosecutor have attended meetings, listened, expressed sympathy, and done whatever was in their power to do to help, which ain't much. But restrained by law, city policy, and lack of resources, they've fallen short, unable to do the only thing that is asked of them, to get rid of the homeless camps, period, Although, again, as Jack has pointed out, you know, if the the gentleman wrote this one to extend that sentence, it would have been to get rid of the homeless camps that are making hardworking
1: taxpayers miserable. You know what? And or burning up their cars. This just popped into my head. More politicians in favor of this sort of thing. The the politicians that prioritize the homeless over the taxpaying citizen. Um, Why don't you open up your backyard to let it become a homeless camp? Sure. Mayor That'd be a what, really great gesture. Mayor of whatever town, who's mostly concerned about the plight of the homeless as opposed to the business owner who thinks he doesn't have customers coming in because they're scared to walk past the bums into the door. Why don't you open up your backyard and make it a homeless camp? Well, open up your home. So listen
0: to this. About twenty people listened, uh, as a young woman, this is a, at a, a neighborhood meeting, explained that their best hope of getting action from the city was to form a neighborhood association and flood the city with emails. Many speakers bristled with anger and frustration. It's something that's tearing down our community, the drug dealers, the criminals, the ones beating up our women, our mothers, said a young man who asked that his name not be used because he feared reprisals. Others told of their cars being stoned, their yards defiled with feces, hypodermic needles, their children frightened. "They're drug dealers, an
1: elderly man said, we can't walk over there because they intimidate us, et cetera, et cetera. No, but, if you're intimidated by homeless, the problem is with you. I was told that in a city council meeting. Yeah. You just hack of a lack of compassion. What you're doing is you're prejudging people based on how they look.
0: Said, the, no doubt, by somebody who then saddled up their unicorn and rode home on the rainbow <laughs> highway they used to commute. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 oh,
0: boy. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's, it's a growing crisis. And I tell you what, uh, and, and this is true of so many issues in society, y- you listen to the utopians who want nothing done or preach nothing but this, this sunshiny, unicorn-riding, utopian compassion and don't understand that sometimes grown-ups have to do things that are unpleasant or make you feel kind of bad or not everybody can be a winner. But that's what grown-ups do, and that's what governments have to do sometimes. If if the utopian point of view holds sway too long, then you reach a crisis point where really, really, really ugly stuff happens. And that's the that's the story of history. And I'm telling you, if if you can't put a little of the mustard of reality on your compassion burger, you're going to see a really, really bitter meal served in the future. You know, I'd probably be better served by not even going that way metaphorically. But I think you did. You got to. Are
1: you you hungry? (laughs) You
0: got to mix in some reality or or the reality in the future is going to be brutal.
1: Don't go grocery shopping hungry. Don't search for metaphors hungry. (laughs) Those are two good rules. Obviously,
0: it's distracting.
1: (laughs) Alan Dershowitz coming up. Uh, Man, he gets a lot of attention because he's a well-known backer of Democrat, Democrat Party ideals, Harvard professor, yet he's been coming to Trump's aid a number of times in the last year or so. He's got a book out called The Case Against Impeaching Trump. He made news today. Uh, we'll talk about that with the professor on the way next on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Armstrong and Getty. The conscience
3: of the, of nation. Of the nation.
0: See the girl with the diamonds in her shoes. She walks around like she's got nothing to lose. see the go-getter. She's everybody's side. She's a queen of the city, but she don't believe the hype. She's got her
1: own elevation. Holy motivation, so some letters, on big old I got Howdy. That's Stevie Wonder. I like oh, that really? too. Yeah. Um from a cartoon. I was gonna say it's got the sunshiny upbeat uh, feel of a kids' movie yeah, track. track. That's what Sing. it is. The, Sing. the Sing. thing. Yeah. Right. Right. My yeah. kids like that movie. Yeah. Um so I I've, I've been a uh, into Alan Dershowitz for many, many years. He got he he goes way back too in the uh American consciousness. I remember watching him on Larry King. Geez, way back through the years, he was the curly-headed lawyer on the dream team for O.J. Simpson in oh my the nineties. God, that's right. Um, and uh, played a pretty major role in that. If you remember the O.J. Simpson TV show that we all liked so much. But Alan Dershowitz, I mean, he's a he's a Democrat and uh, and a left-leaning dude, but he um, he's also really into the law and tries to apply the law the same to people left or right. And he's been getting a lot of heat lately. Because he keeps saying, no, you can't impeach Donald Trump over this or that. <laughs> no, that's not obstruction of justice, for mm-hmm. instance. Right. And uh, yesterday in an interview, he said, I think it was a terrible mistake for the Department of Justice to issue the indictment on the eve of a foreign policy trip um in other words the the indicting all those russians on friday right before trump was going to go meet with putin he interesting thinks, he thinks that the the justice was playing politics they're not supposed to inject themselves into politics and they absolutely shouldn't have done that
0: you know i was a little mystified by that whole thing and i've heard that question asked wh- why did they do that was it a good idea was that to help trump to damage trump and and, and i haven't known
1: where to go with Keeping that in mind that rosenstein when he's standing up there at the podium said specifically people are going to ask This is just when we got done. I don't believe that for a second. I do not believe that. And and Dershowitz is saying even if he did get done on that day, he should have held off. The issue is timing. You know, the Justice Department says you don't issue indictments just before an election because you're not supposed to be influencing policy. And embarrassing the president by issuing these indictments before he meets Putin was a serious blunder. The Justice Department should not have done that.
0: Embarrassing the president. That's an interesting choice of words. Um, Okay. Well, I will let the great man support his own argument, as he is due to be
1: checking in with us in just a moment or two. The book is The Case Against Impeaching Trump, where he lays out a constitutional case saying the standard for impeachment has not been met. Excellent. High crimes and misdemeanors and whatnot.
0: Among the things we will be discussing in the near future, uh, by the way, as we wait for Alan Dershowitz, is um, the whole CRISPR cancer thing. Uh, we have a listener who is um, extremely knowledgeable. He's, well, he's employed in the field and is a scientist and and uh, weighs in whenever we bring this up. Cool. And and he suggests that some of the um, kind of scary stories that have emerged lately saying that, wait, the technology is not quite as good as we thought. It could cause cancer, et cetera. Et cetera. He said it's way overblown. Have we heard, know what we're doing in the field, and we're aware of all this, and that's what we're working on. Have, but I'll,
1: I'll read more of it. I have heard from people who are knowledgeable about science that the only thing that rivals how bad the reporting is on the law or economics is the reporting on science. You know what? It just occurred to me what
0: our, what, about 30 seconds good, what our quickie uh, talk show host book has to be. There are certain principles we have hammered over and over again throughout the history of this show. And you've, you've just pointed out, indirectly one of them, that whenever you, we, hey, him, her, uh, sees an article in a newspaper or on cable TV or whatever about your field, it's woefully inaccurate. I mean, it's like hilariously lacking in context to the point of being misleading. And uh, that'd be a pretty good chapter for a book. And if it's true of your field... Uh, What makes you think it's not true of the rest of them? Right. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, speaking of truth-telling, it's a great pleasure to welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Alan Dershowitz, lawyer, Harvard Law professor, uh, author, commentator, etc. Mr. Dershowitz, how are you, sir?
3: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: Thank you. It's good to talk. So before we get into the case against impeaching Trump, how much does it bother you that you are an anomaly... In that you are willing to uh, just apply what you see as the truth of the law, regardless of party. In other words, you don't put a partisan slant on things. That really, I try very hard to do that every single day. Obviously, you do too. But I think we're, uh, you know, we're we're like unicorns.
3: It's very hard to do that, but you know, I don't think we're unicorns. Uh, my book, The Case Against Impeaching Trump, has become a New York Times bestseller, which means people are reading it. People, I think, want to hear all sides of the issue. I think a lot of academics and university professors don't. They want, they know the truth, and they want to shut down debate. They want to have safe spaces and trigger warnings. But I think the average American wants to hear all sides of the issue, and they're able to do it. And, you know, that's why I just recommend read the book. It's 150 pages. If you disagree with it, fine. But, you know, maybe I'll persuade you. Maybe you'll persuade me. But here on Martha's Vineyard, people are saying, no, 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 we don't, we don't even want to hear what you have to say because it might benefit Trump. And anything that benefits Trump is something we don't want to hear. We don't even want to allow it to be heard. That's the attitude here on Martha's Vineyard among some people.
0: Well, given the vagueness of the Constitution in terms of what is an impeachable offense, uh, give us the, uh, the, the long and short of your theory
3: think it's that vague. It says, you know, we rejected the notion of uh, maladministration as grounds for impeachment, and instead required that there be conviction by the Senate, two-thirds, of a crime, either treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Those are all crimes. And so I think you have to prove that a president actively engaged in a crime before you can impeach him. You can't impeach him because you disagree with what he said at a press conference in Helsinki, Uh, which I disagree with, you can't do it because you don't like his policies on the border or separating families. You have to find a crime. And that's where I disagree with many of my uh, colleagues. And I think I lay out the argument very carefully. And the crime has to be a high crime, not a low crime. So I think Clinton was not properly impeached, uh, Bill Clinton, because his crime was a low crime. Uh, It's interesting that Hamilton, in his own life, Hamilton was one of the drafters, and he wrote the Federalist paper about impeachment he himself committed a low crime he paid extortion to prevent an adulterous affair from being made public but he didn't use public funds he issued a statement to that effect admitting it But the reason is because if he had used public funds as a treasury secretary it would have been a high crime but using his own funds to cover up adultery was a low crime not impeachable and that's why he was prepared to make that distinction and that's a distinction that I think is made in the Constitution.
1: And it certainly seems like we should be worried about a precedent that it would set if Democrats take control of Congress and do impeach uh, President Trump, whether he's convicted or not, that we've just you know, lowered the bar for what we consider impeachable.
3: I think that's right. And I always try to impose on myself and others the shoe on the other foot test. If the shoe were on the other foot, if Hillary Clinton, what position would you be taking? I know what position I'd be taking. And I think everybody has to meet that challenge. I wrote a book called Supreme Injustice a long time ago when the Supreme Court wrote Bush v. Gore, in which I said if it had been Gore versus Bush, if the shoe had been on the other foot, I think the case probably would have come out differently. And that's not the way the Supreme Court or the Congress should behave. There should be a single test no matter who the president is.
0: Alan Dershowitz on the line. You said in the last day or so that the Justice Department really ill-served the president by coming out with the indictment of the Russian uh, spooks uh, right before the meeting in Helsinki. What do you mean by that?
3: Well, I think that, I think that uh, Justice Department should stay out of politics and stay out of foreign policy. There was absolutely no reason to have the indictment come down just before the president went to have a meeting with Putin. It would have been far, far better. And nobody would have lost anything if the indictment came down today or next week. And the indictment is a show indictment. Nobody's ever going to be brought to trial uh, these folks, the 12 of them, are not going to come to Disneyland and allow themselves to be served and arrested, and they're not going to be extradited. So we'll never know uh, what the proof is, what the evidence is. We'll never know whether they would have won or lost the case. And an indictment is just a charge. And remember, as a judge in New York once said, a prosecutor can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. So uh, let's not place too much weight on an indictment that will never come to trial.
1: The book is The Case Against Impeaching Trump by Alan Dershowitz, and uh, you're making that argument, but I read an interview the other day in which you laundry listed the Trump policies you don't agree with, and it seemed it was practically every Trump policy that exists you don't agree with, yet you wrote a book like this. Is that causing you any stress in your personal life, that people are saying, dude, what are you doing?
3: Yeah, it does, and people are attacking me and saying, you know, if you're uh, a Clinton person against Trump, you shouldn't be writing this book. Well, you know, I have to write this book. Uh, all my life, I've defended people I've disagreed with. I defended the rights of Nazis the march through Skokie, Illinois. I defended communists when I was a college student, even though I hated and still hate communism. Um, so it's been my life to defend principles and not to ask myself whether I like or support the person about whom the principle, to whom the principle is being applied so i
1: think, I, mean, I, I think i think that is is more important to me anyway and to the national discussion than anything you write the fact that you're going with principles as opposed to your partisan leanings amen that's
3: what i try very hard to apply to myself i hope everybody applies that to themselves because our constitution was written not for democrats or republicans not for black or white not for northerners or southerners for everybody And we have to apply it equally to everybody, and that's the -the shoe-on-the-other-foot test that I always apply to myself and to others.
0: Well, just to, uh, in the very few seconds we have left, to return to Jack's question of a moment ago, does anybody actually refer to you as dude at this point in your life, uh, (laughs) Alan?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah they call me the Dersch. <laughs> the
0: Dersch. Oh, <laughs> oh man, Alan Dershowitz, lawyer and Harvard Law professor. We know you're pressed for time, uh, but we appreciate the conversation very much. Hope we can do it again. The book, "The Case Against Impeaching Trump," it's a it's a good, solid helping of of truth uh, without and uh, principle without worrying about partisanship. Great to talk. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: The shoe is on the other foot test. That sure. is what you have to do. Absolutely. God dang it. I think he, I think I think the reason it's a best-selling book though is a bunch of people who really like Donald Trump and wouldn't apply this same principle to Hillary. Right. Are buying the book. Politics is a silly business and ugly. Marshall's news is next on the Armstrong and Getty show. Somebody said, do a long-form podcast with Alan Dershowitz. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if he's got the time, because he does a lot of interviews, but um, I'd love to. I mean, he talked about reprehensible things and people he's represented, Nazis, communists, O.J. Simpson. I yeah, don't know what he says about O.J. currently. Does he say O.J. is uh, guilty and... It's like he's not really
0: the juice anymore. Maybe he says that. I don't know. (laughs) I'll let you know if I ever get tired of that clip. (laughs) Ain't anywhere
1: close. (laughs) No kidding.
0: No, we'd love to do that. It's funny. A a lot of y'all, and you're 100% right, say, you guys really ought to do a podcast with Jordan Peterson. Well, that's like saying, hey, Joe, your band really ought to play with the old 97s. You know, you ought to open a show for the Rolling Stones. Yeah, we know. <laughs> We'd love to. They're kind of tough to get. Yeah. I, I, and listen, we appreciate that you think of us as superstars in the media. But, man, there's a
1: lot of people asking for their time. We'd love to, though. We're trying. But Dershowitz is interesting because he's on Fox all the time now because he's his, his argument, as he sees it, I mean, benefits that side. He was on MSNBC for years. Sure. You know, arguing things when he's on the other side.
0: Yeah. And I uh, I read something the other day. I can't remember where, but it was talking about how if you are a, a conservative with any bona fides whatsoever and you're willing to criticize Trump, you, you're you on at MSNBC. You have oh, yeah. a contract with CNN. Oh, yeah. You are hot, hot, hot. Get yourself
1: an agent because, you know, your ticket is punch. I think they realize that at some point, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well,
2: President Trump has invited Vladimir Putin for a second get-together this fall at the White House, dealing with criticism that he was not tough enough with the Russian leader at that press conference after his two-hour private meeting earlier in the week. The president was on CNBC at an interview airing the day talking about that. I had these some of these fools from the media saying, why didn't you stand there, look him in the face, walk over to him, and start shouting at him. <laughs> I said, is these people crazy? I want to make a deal. I want to make a deal. You can't do that.
1: There's also, as it brought up the other day, um, Trump and several past presidents have met with the leaders of China and not screamed at them for all the awful things that they do. Right. On the world stage. Certainly. Or Saudi Arabia or lots of different allies of ours. Right. Or friends. China's not an ally. Or
0: Russia in the past. Or Russia in the past. Slash Soviet Union. Um, Listen, it it occurred to me, I think about this stuff a lot, but there are a lot of things Trump does that are are really unconventional. They are? Um, And there are quite a few that are a bad idea, but the media particularly fake news cnn msnbc the alphabet networks they've fallen into the trap of absolutely everything that's unconventional is portrayed as a bad idea and and some of it you have to look at a little carefully to understand which is which like the whole this is actually this is the perfect example the 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 really what incredible idea vladimir putin posed that Listen, we'll let you grill the 12 uh, Russian agents if we get to grill your former ambassador and American officials and we get to sit down with all your investigators and ask them, (laughs) how did you figure out it was our 12 guys, allegedly? And Trump called that an incredible offer. That is obscenely, absurd, ridiculous, unthinkable on its face. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders said the other day that we're considering it, uh, we're thinking about it, blah, blah, blah. And and people are reacting with quite appropriate, wild outrage at the idea. I don't think Trump for a second considered that. Or it, when it was explained to him, the significance of it. I think he probably rejected it out of hand. But he is, as always, defaulting to real estate salesmen. He needs the land to build his his golf course in his hotel. And the developer, the guy with the land says, you know, maybe you could make me a partner in all this, or maybe I could build like a miniature golf course on the property and run that. And Trump said, that's an incredible offer. That's really a creative idea. We need to look at that, knowing that it'll get flushed away, you know, as the deal goes forward. You just never, you never rattle a customer unnecessarily. And I think that may have been one of those. If if it's not if it's the other one that Trump's actually thinking about this, well then he's insane or stupid. But I don't think that's the case.
2: During that same interview, President Trump said he is willing to hit all the goods imported from China to the U.S. with tariffs. Trump said, "I'm willing what about to about go my right to cheap underpants, Marshall." Trump's saying, "I'm willing to go to 500," referring roughly to the 500 billion dollars in goods imported last year from China. And along with that, the president was blasting the Fed for raising U.S. interest rates after he cast aside concerns about the Federal Reserve's independence to say he's unhappy with the central bank's recent actions. I have to tell you, it puts us at a disadvantage. Now, I'm just saying the same thing that I would have said as a private citizen. So somebody would say, oh, maybe you shouldn't say that as a president. I couldn't care less what they say. Trump (laughs) tweeting this morning, debt coming due and we're (laughs) raising rates? Really? Question mark?
1: You know the the, where the economy is going to go with the interest rates and the uh, tariff situation, but the jobless claims numbers that came out at a fifty-year low, right? Forty-nine year, but half-century low. It's unbelievable.
0: I finally heard some reporting on the economy by the liberal media in the last forty-eight hours. You know what it was? Experts expect a recession soon. Various indicators indicate we might be indicating a recession. Okay, finally, finally you decide to report on the economy and that's it. All right, very nice.
2: One last note, Wells Fargo is now refunding tens of millions of dollars to customers who bought add-on services like identity theft protection and pet insurance that were added to customers' accounts. It is
1: my opinion that Wells Fargo was a criminal enterprise. In that it was an enterprise engaging in criminality? (laughs) It was, well, it just, that was their thing. It was like the mob. We pose as a bank, but we're criminals.
0: What percentage, I'm just going to stand for the defense for Wells Fargo. What percentage of their revenue was ill-gotten?
1: I don't know. I don't know know that number.
2: Yeah, I was wondering if you guys actually enjoy treating your customers like a piece of
1: shit. If it was not that high, then they're just dumb criminals because it was millions and millions and millions of people that they screwed. Right,
0: and enormous damage to the reputation, but they do have some some shiny new
1: commercials with the stagecoach in it. It was just a week ago that they ran in the USA Today that trying to fool you into thinking it was a news article, but it was a paid-for advertisement. That leads me to believe they're still trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. Mm. One man's opinion. My opinion is I can't imagine if you're going to open a checking account, you'd go to Wells
2: Fargo oh, of oh, all the choices.
0: Oh, oh, wow. Well, that's one man's opinion. And he's a known drinker, folks. <laughs> Keep it in mind.
2: There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Here I'm Stark, Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Oh, I don't want to go to a meeting. We have enough meetings. Now are they are firing or punishing whistleblowers
1: all along. Right. I mean, just unbelievable.
2: And how many of us checked our, uh, our uh, you know, receipts and the bills from the uh, bank to look for pet insurance? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was yeah. that listed under? AB 730? Right. And it was $7.62. Yeah. So you right. just think,
1: ah, it must be something. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow. That's straight out of those uh, cell phone scams of yesteryear. Where they'd add on a $1.99 charge to everybody for nothing, yep, yep. knowing nobody would ever question it, and they made billions and billions of dollars. A woman
1: had dodged tolls at a toll booth 600 plus times, but she finally got caught. Wow. What happens to you when you get caught after one of those deals? I've considered that sort of scam myself. I assume a caning. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty show
3: Armstrong and Getty. The
0: conscience of the
1: nation.
2: At me? Yeah. Listen, clearly you don't watch the show, so you don't know that I don't suffer from that. What I suffer from is the inability to figure out how to fix this. That's my issue, but one of the things that you talk about a lot and I'm curious about it, is the deep state. How long has the deep state been there and who's running it? Well, the, the, I want to answer your question because you, you really had oh, to ask me no, a question. You I, had a, your I, opening statement, which was how horrible it is that Donald Trump no, is talking no, no, about all of these people. That's what you said. What? You, know you said, that, what? You know you what's said what's that it, it was okay. Oh my your God! You're killing
1: me! You're killing me! You got to stop it for a second. I need a breath. I need a breath. I don't know how people watch the View because I know that happens a lot on the View. Ugh. That, that that sound right there that screeching. The fact that it was only two people is refreshing. Usually it's three or
0: more. Who's Whoopi Goldberg arguing with? That's Judge Jeanine Pirro, uh, Fox
1: News stalwart. Got a weekend show. And she's got a book or something? Probably. I don't know. And she's arguing Doesn't with Doesn't everybody? Whoopi. She's arguing with Whoopi butt Trump. I don't know if we even need more details than that. Do uh. we? I know that the argument continued backstage after the show. Oh really? And yeah and, and uh, I mean it got really testy behind the scenes. All right, so give me a they're more. actually mad at each other. This is not fake cable I'll stuff. I'll be damned.
2: You, you know what's hard? What's hard? When, when, well, when the president of the, of the United, United States whips up people to beat you know. the hell out of people. No. no. Say goodbye. No. No. Say goodbye. over and liberals is
0: all right. Um, so everybody has a book out, you know. You know, when you introduce yourself, you ought to say, "Hi, I'm Joe Getty. My recent book is blankety blank," as everybody does. Uh, so why don't we? So, uh, or, uh, you know, what's funny is I saw the headline uh, came to me via one of my many news sources. I get emails, alerts, and it said things get heated on the View, and and my immediate reaction was, "Honest to God, what conservative was on there?" Hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. what you do. Because that's what happens. You go on there, you try to express a different point of view than those half wit clucking hens. And uh hmm. and, and Things, quote unquote, it was intended to be. <laughs> it, it, things, quote unquote, get heated. They all sounded the same to me. <laughs> I just heard two hens clucking.
1: Yeah. Right. Ah, who'd you rather be today, you or the founder of Papa John's? <laughs> <laughs> He's having a rough go of it.
0: Yeah, he comes (laughs) off as a dope, although he kind of got screwed. The story, and it's so underreported. God, the
1: press is terrible in this country. They're on... This is Joe supporting the N-word. No, no,
0: uh, there you go. Well, you ought to get a job with the mainstream media. You'd fit right in. (laughs) You son of a bitch. (laughs) So this guy's on some sort of uh, conference call with lawyers... The purpose of the call is to avoid any public relations scandal over anything racial. And they're doing role playing. And during this role playing, he gets into it a little too much. And then then he brings up the Colonel Sanders thing. And it's not clear whether he was like portraying something that might happen or actually expressing what he thought, but several people on the call were made uncomfortable, so it became a story. But then he doubles down, and Colonel Sanders' family is saying he never used the N-word. He was
1: a good man, blah blah blah. And so I just, I just regardless of that, everybody's got to catch on to the fact that and I think this is dumb we should not have a collection of sounds that is Lord Voldemort. Right. But we do. Right. You cannot use the N-word in any context, no matter how academic or role-playing or whatever you are, without losing your job. You just can't.
0: Right. You just can't. It's Well, it's beyond childlike. It's incredibly unwise.
1: But it would seem the founder...
0: Especially if simultaneous with this bizarre, volta mortesque reality, the word was around all the time in popular
1: culture. Um and it also would seem the founder of Papa Johns has got a couple other things i mean he's being accused of a uh some sexual stuff or they allowed conversations they don't normally have in the modern workplace and blah, blah, blah.
0: Well, and here's where we go. Whoopi and Judge Janine on each other and he's guilty of making crappy pizza. No, I love the Papa John's Only pizza. Only a child could like it. It's terrible pizza. It's
1: it's completely unique. To me, it's like the way the Big Mac is not a hamburger, but I love Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say anything you even like a hamburger. Papa John's pizza doesn't taste like anything like any other pizza I've ever had in my life. The sauce is sugary and gross. Oh, So delicious. It's, it's, it is the Big mac of pizza and then you dip it in that cheese. Oh, my God. Or, or that that or garlic, garlic butter. Garlic yeah. motor oil. Yeah, yeah. that's it, the garlic butter. It's motor
0: oil. It's an industrial. Uh-huh. Lubricant.
1: You're it, I, I just take shots like a chaser. <laughs> I, you thought that was a... Oh, no, no. God, no, I used to get one of those, a large one of those, and a 12-pack of Coors Light, and I was set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll give you a kick the next day. Yeah, it will. It oh, will. Please. Clear, clear off your calendar for Saturday morning, I'll tell you what. If I'm going to be your... working from the second
0: stall this morning, <laughs> if you hear me.
1: How many cats do you have in your city USA? <laughs> oh, <I'm> sorry. What? <laughs> how many cats do you have in your city USA? Nobody knows how many cats they have in any of their cities. Feral cats have become a problem all across America, partially because of these to me ridiculous no, I have more a, on
0: feral humans coming up too, but go on.
1: To me, the ridiculous uh uh neuter and release programs that we've come up with all across the country, a lot of, you know, a lot of animal Loving people think it's a good idea, but it's leading to well, all kinds of other animals are getting killed and then you know there's the dangers of feral calves and cats and all that sort of stuff. Killing usually, birds at yeah, yeah. and lizards and
0: it's spreading disease. Let's uh, But so let's in, label this uh, section of the podcast Jack wants to machine gun stray cats.
1: Well, that's probably not a terrible idea. I wouldn't use a machine gun. Okay, you know, he was he was joking. He was it, a you, shotgun? <laughs> AR fifteen. I think when you collect up feral cats, you might as well put them down because there are gazillions of them. Yes, and there are are plenty of nice like cats that are that are domesticated, and you know people have been petting them and stuff like that. There's millions more of those than we have families for. So the idea that you're going to take a wild cat that has had no um, care its entire life and neuter it and release it is just You're just waiting for it to get run over or starve or die in a fight with other cats or whatever. Die of terrible diseases. But in Washington, D.C., the first time anybody's ever tried to do this in a big city anywhere in the country, they're going to spend a million and a half dollars, not taxpayer money, um, from the animal advocacy groups that have come up with the money, a million and a half dollars trying to figure out how many damned cats they've got in the city so they can wrap their head around the problem. And um, because currently nobody has the slightest idea, as many as 60 camera traps with infrared sensors will be set up around Washington, D.C. I don't know how you're going to count the cats even with that, though. Oh, is that the gray one with the white tip on its tail? I think I saw that one earlier. (laughs) Or should I count that one again? I mean, come on now. How are you going to tell by having a camera? Is that the black one with white on its chest? Yeah, I think I saw that yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: think we counted that one already.
1: (laughs) It's but, hard. They keep moving. But some people are throwing out numbers. They claim maybe 16,000 in D.C. Somebody said there might be uh, tens of thousands in New York. L.A. is claiming that they've got millions of stray and feral cats, L.A. County. Nobody really knows. Millions. And they're doing that whole neuter and release thing. Millions of stray cats. How many would be too many before you'd start putting them down? Can you make a nice coat out of cat fur? I wouldn't. I'm just thinking of usefulness. I'm trying to come up with a win-win solution. Mm. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.